everybody, and welcome to another comic episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Elberton, and who are the vigilantes with me tonight? Uh, masked vigilante Stefan JD. And Jesse Chavez. Returning back to Games My Mom Found. Nice to have you back on again. Oh, good to be here. Hasn't been, yeah, episode 11, you joined us back when we were still we were still baby podcasters, learning how to podcast. Ooh, um, I mean, we're well, only at, we're like... 40 some episodes at this point, or close to, yeah, over 40 at this point, so. Mm-hmm. Or, All right, you guys, you guys have leveled up. Good to see you. Uh... <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> Working towards still the still wine a little bit. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen, since this was your pick for this episode, do you want to introduce what we're going to be talking about this week, or th- this episode? Yes, we are talking about the comic book Killer Be Killed, and it's done by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips and colored by Elizabeth Bright, Breitweiser, Breitweiser, Budweiser, I don't know. <laughs> and before we go too far, there will be spoilers for this comic that came out in 2016, 28, and in 2018. No, it didn't end that long ago. But also, nope. this just to give a quick warning, this episode will probably touch on uh, mental illness, uh, a lot of different... A lot of different explicit things we're probably going to talk about: cheating, rape, uh, killing people, suicide. So, just to warn mm-hmm. you before we get into this episode, I just want to give a quick warning out there. So, it gets something deep. that you're not. Well, it yeah. I mean, I don't know where this conversation is going to go because it hasn't happened yet. But I don't want to go back and add audio in, so I want to get it out just in case. So, anyone listening to this, I also would probably recommend headphones for this one because depending on what we say about this comic, or if we go into it, you might not want that out loud. But I don't know where we're going. So there's your spoiler warning. There's your warning about explicit content if we get there. And all right, uh, Stefan, you said you wanted to start this off with a little bit intro to the comic. Yeah, I'm just going to, for people who haven't read the comic, uh, they won't be able to get the inner monologue, which is a key component of the comic for our main protagonist. Well, vigilante, main vigilante, Dylan. So I just wanted to read the first couple of pages of just his inner monologue to kind of show where his mind is at in the world. And uh, the first thing he says here is, uh, this isn't how I imagined my life would be ever, but you don't always have a choice, do you? And let's face it, I've become pretty good at this, killing people, people who deserve it. And yeah, you can sit there and ask, what gives me the right to make that judgment? But that's just your defense, your alibi for not doing anything. Because the world is shit right now, and we all know it. Just look at the news for five fucking minutes, and it's obvious. Big business controls your government. Assholes go on shooting rampages almost daily. Terrorists blow up airports and train stations. Cops kill innocent black kids and get away with it. Psychopaths run for president. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, And the Middle East is one nuke away from turning us all into dust. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. The fact is there's no justice. Bad people get away with everything. And greed is destroying the entire fucking planet. We all know this is true, but we refuse to really let ourselves believe it. We cling to fantasy, to hope. We say shit like, the arc of time is long, but it bends towards justice when it clearly so does not. It bends towards fascism and mass graves, but we sit at our screens and fill our heads with noise and scream at each other as if that's going to change anything. I get it. I used to be like that too, but now my life is different, obviously. (laughs) It's a fucked up comic. Yep. (laughs) I mean, that's the first thing I want to say. It's a fucked up story. It's a fucked up 
we live in. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there are things wrong with today's world. I, I will agree with that, but I mean, this story really, I mean, yes, it does touch on that, but this guy's not the hero in any shape or form, my opinion. Yeah, he's claims to be. <laughs> yeah, he's he's just a vigilante who, for some reason, starts seeing a demon after oh. he tries to commit suicide, and now, he, like the demon tells him, you're, you're, if you don't you're kill, summarizing some, it very small. Yeah, yeah. If you don't kill somebody for me every month, then I'm going to take your soul because he miraculously survives suicide, which it's kind of funny how he does. He jumps off this... a roof, gets tied up in like the cords or something, right? Yeah, like the clotheslines yeah. from... Like, yeah. Well, he didn't jump that high, so that didn't help the situation either. To Ooh. sum it up, think of, the, think of this story as one part death note, one part taxi driver, and just a dash <laughs> of boondock saints. Yeah, a little bit of fight club too. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we start seeing this demon that he doesn't believe is real, and then I think it's in the first or second issue, pretty quickly it shows you he's he's arguing with this demon, but no one else can see it, of course. And he it, he ends up like breaking his arm or getting his arm hurt or something with his mm -hmm. shoulder. It's been like two yeah. weeks since I read this, so my memory's not as good as it should be. <laughs> he lies but... in a snow patch. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and, and that's mm -hmm. when he starts believing that this demon is real. Then he and he tells, like he, as Stefan was saying, tells him to kill, and that's this whole thing. Like he doesn't want to kill, but this demon's like, if you don't kill people, I'm gonna kill you because you owe me a life because you because I spared yours. Yeah, so that hence kill or be killed. <laughs> <laughs> that takes a whole other meeting halfway through the series, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first I, uh, I just want to say that this story was so. I mean, even just in the beginning, it's very depressing. Like you, you get into this character who lives with his lives with his roommate, who's dating his friend, who he's a crush on, and, she, and I mean, I, I think I forget what happened that sets him up to have him jump off the roof. Like, what did she say? I can't remember her wording. She said something. And that's what did her. Something happened because he cares for her. I, yeah, I think essentially what it was is they were oh pity. They pitied him. Pity. He could hear through the vent. Yeah, like, I feel sorry. They were, yeah, they were like getting it on or whatever, and <laughs> usually he'd have to listen to it. And then this time they're like, "We feel pity for him," and he's like, "But she felt sorry for me, and that's what did it." So I don't know. He had to kill himself. About, I mean, I know a lot of people probably go through the situation having to live with someone else listening to your roommate bang the girl that you like, or any or whoever the person is that you like, and and like I mean, even just then that would mess with someone's head. Yeah, I get this one messed up situation. Just kind of, it's also, and then that harkens back to being kind of like Fight Club, where he has to listen to Brad Pitt's character. Um, what's his name? Tyler Durden, like have Tyler sex Durden. with Marla. Yeah. <laughs> she won't know. She won't know the difference between who this is. She won't know the difference. Something like that. And you're like, oh, because she's all on drugs. Sure, sure she is. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're not going to go Pretty... to Fight Club though. <laughs> but, That's another. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We kind of stick with well for comics we don't none of these are video game comics but you know mm -hmm. where... oh but uh, one but... thing i do yes go ahead. go ahead mike okay one thing i do want to say is that we hadn't mentioned is that like that first part that stefan was reading takes place way later in the comic because it mm -hmm. starts off with him seeing him killing people and he's already got the mask on he's already a killer and then it reverts back 
and it's him narrating the story for a good chunk of the story about what happened. And he's like, you're, you're catching, you're playing catch up. Yeah. A majority, a majority of the, of the comic is pretty much flashback, everything leading up to a certain moment, which is a very noir direction they go for. It's not just reflected in the art, just the entire story. It feels kind of like, you know, yes, I suppose you're wondering how I ended up here. Well, yeah. you're about to find out. I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about it. 17 issues. <laughs> 17 issues before you got caught up? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we were supposed to record this like two weeks ago, but due to scheduling conflicts, it didn't happen. So I'm just like, I don't remember this book anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's like any comic. If you were reading this when it came out, I mean, hell, I would have forgotten each issue by the time the next issue came out because some of these are like, are like good month, over a month apart, it looks like. Which is hilarious because he openly chastises people. It's like he probably forgot what happened, but here, in case you did, you know, just in case you did, here's what happened last time. Isn't that that's normal <laughs> comic books? I feel like though. Last time on Killer Be Killed, Goku decided oh, he wanted to wow. appease a demon. No, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to make DPC. <laughs> um, no, but it's kind of messed up how he like finally decides to kill people because. like the whole demon's there and he doesn't know if it's real or not and he starts feeling ill and he's like oh you know it's because i'm dying it's because of the demon it's gonna kill me and uh he remembers this terrible story about when he was younger because he's he's trying to find somebody that's worth killing like a bad person warning some explicit content i did not mention so just yeah and his friend teddy was was uh they were like little kids and they're like playing around or whatever and teddy year old or 10 year old yeah it's so bad and teddy Mm -hmm. teddy turns to him and he's like hey dylan you want to um take off your pants and we'll put our penises in each other's buttholes and he's like what no and he's like well me and my brother do it all the time and he later realizes that teddy was being molested by his bigger brother yeah and Teddy's brother is the one who he's like, you know what? I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I mean, it's just, I mean, it, it doesn't take long before this book just hits. I mean, it hits a lot of sensitive and, you know, sensitive stuff to talk about. And it hits it hard and in a very just fucked up way, let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very fitting for the story, though, because in a way, he, he discusses it in a very casual, roundabout way. But again, Especially with that openly open monologue setting, sorry, that opening monologue setting everything up. You know, it's pretty much like, no, nah, this is the status quo. I'm used to it. The only difference is like, yeah, but I'm going to actually do something about it in his own destructive, fucked up way. Yeah, exactly. Because we all, like he's saying, like we all get angry about what's going on, but we never like step up to do anything about it. And you're right. He does. He's like, I'm going to kill this guy because he's a child molester. It's like one of those things where, like, the guy deserves it. The guy deserves to get shot in the face. As you find out later, he's even worse than what you thought. But it's just one of those things where it never, (laughs) even in this story, doesn't work out too well, (laughs) depending on where you're going from this. But yeah, it's like, what gives you the right? Which this thing does kind of touch on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. the detective he runs into later flat out asks him that question multiple times. Like, seriously, what makes you think you have a right to be, you know, judge, jury, and executioner? And he doesn't really answer it initially. She has to keep asking it over and over again. Like a, mm-hmm. a famous 
idea that I always think of, this is another fictional character, but like with Batman. Like Batman can never kill Joker. Even if he killed the Joker, he would stop it. He would end it. All the murders would be over, but then you're no better than the man you are trying to stop. The same idea. That's why right. that's how I always feel about this. That's how I feel about any type of even in real life when you have people that think like this. Which I don't think you have very many, because <laughs> real life don't work out so well for that. Yeah, and uh and it's weird too how like it pans out because like the girl that the detective that kind of catches on to him, her name's Lily Sharp. Yeah, that's a good name. And uh <laughs> she's she's a good character. And um the uh Teddy's brother who he eventually kills leads to the Lily Sharp looking deeper into that case and into that guy, and he they find out that he was part of a child sex ring. Yeah. So He's doing all these bad, he's going out and killing these bad people, but it's leading to bigger things of cleaning up the world. And it starts to make him feel like, you know, I am doing a right thing. Look what I did. Like, I, I caught the assholes in a child sex ring. Yeah. So. I, I, my, my one complaint, I think, well, one of the <laughs> few complaints I'd have about this story is sometimes, especially, especially I mean, I guess it makes sense for a majority of the earlier victims, to, uh, earlier targets to have it. But there's a, there's quite a few times in the story where it feels like, oh, I need to kill somebody. Let me crack open a can of makes it easy. Oh, they're a pedophile. Oh, they're running a sex. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. It's funny how you said it. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no moral quandary here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's very black and white. But it does it does eventually hit that grayscale with what was his dealer's name, Rex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting caught in the crossfire and it's like, you know, he was a family man. You know, and he he didn't mean me any harm. It's kind of weird that it took as long as it did to get to that point, but it did get there eventually. And that right. all comes about because he ends up being stupid. And he ends up killing some of the Russian mafia, and Russian mafia doesn't take too kindly to one of them being killed. So. Oh, yeah. There's a very funny scene where he goes to a strip club because he knows it's run by the Russians, and he <laughs> waits till after they close every night because they rally up the girls into a van, and they go to this, like, what's it called? Uh, you know, where they farm out sex to people and their hookers at night. And they go to an apartment building in, in this story. Mm-hmm. But a brothel and would be one word you might be looking for. Yeah, and he's learning how to be a vigilante because at first he's using his dad's gun and he's really he's realizing like, oh, this is not enough heat. So he goes and buys a shotgun and <laughs> he's he's ready to kill this huge Russian dude and he shoots him and then uh, and then the the hooker jumps out of the car and starts attacking him and he's like, Jesus Christ, I didn't know hookers could fight this good. Well, he opens the door to, like, free him. Like, you're free! And then they start kicking his ass instead. Yeah. I thought it was funny, too. Which, it's... It's very funny because, uh... I want to say a long time ago, uh, my friend, who was a lady, she worked out, and she was in shape. (laughs) (laughs) And she went to a strip club called Jaguars, and uh, she was like, I'm gonna... They had this thing every Thursday night where you could box a stripper in a ring and people would throw money in there and you, you, you would get half of whatever they threw in there. And I, while I was watching the fight, people were throwing like hundred dollar bills in there. I mean, it was a lot of money, but the sad part was, is that she was two feet taller than a stripper. She worked out, she had huge muscles and a stripper still beat her ass every single round. Like, for three minutes. I can't imagine doing anything for three minutes, let alone 
having to fight a stripper. Just hopped on the pole, swung around, and fucking kicked her right in the face. That was it. <laughs> this is yeah. not the story I was expecting. That's yeah. I was like, uh, I don't know if I should tell this story because I like I don't go to strip clubs, but I was brought to one once for this weird reason. <laughs> yeah, yes, brought to it. Yes. <laughs> I'm dragged. <laughs> I'm gonna stop asking questions. But... All right. Um, but it's just, I mean, but it does touch on a lot, a lot of subjects in this, and. I mean, at first you might kind of feel for the character, but I mean, I I, I didn't like him pretty quickly because I just don't I, like these type of characters. Taki was one. Uh, I mean, even in the beginning, I thought he was pretty fucked up. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he he makes no. It's not like he's wishy washy about it. He he's pretty no. open from the get go. He's like, no, I'm I'm really fucked up. There's something very wrong with me. I don't even know if this demon is real. It's kind of a compulsion. Like, and every time. It, it's 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 really nice to see at the story every time he starts to feel like he's invincible or untouchable or like he's getting really good at this he's like yeah but it's not gonna last it's luck it's you know he's i don't know he just kind of has a sense it's like he it's like he already knows it's gonna just fall apart eventually yeah. he's just weird too i mean one yeah. thing Interesting. We hadn't mentioned also, like when the comics or when it does a few of the flashbacks, it shows like he had a girlfriend before, like maybe what four years or five years before the story started. Mm -hmm. Like his life was a little better. I think he had a better job too, and then life just started to kind of go to hell, which happens to some people. Like I know he's not doing good in school. I think it was, and he's living in a shitty apartment with an asshole. Yeah, with asshole roommate, and then he's on medication that he's getting illegally from Rex, his drug dealer. He can't afford legit that he, meds. Yeah. No health insurance. I it, He even points out, too, he's, like, right in the middle of, like, a exchange of gunfight, and he says something like, I never said anything cool right before doing anything. The only people who do that are assholes. I'm so-and-so, and I'm awesome, so watch out. Like, anyone <laughs> would ever say that in real life. <laughs> there might be idiots out there but i don't think so yeah like it's i feel like this with this story it's trying to, it's trying to be very self-conscious about all of the vigilante story tropes it's just like yes i know i'm i'm fitting into the cliche right now but trust me there's gonna it's 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 not gonna stay that way yeah uh i don't know one one fucked up story just off and on, over and over again to just keep weird shit just keeps happening. And I, I mean, I couldn't yeah. stop reading it. Like I, I really enjoyed this story a lot. It just, you know, as not as fucked up as it was. I mean, I couldn't stop. I, I just couldn't stop reading. I'm like, gotta read the next one. Gotta read the next one. Mm -hmm. well, people are fun to read about. It's, it's, it's well written. And the, and the, and the art is good too. I'm not big on oh art. God. Sean Phillips good. fucking, Sean Phillips kills it in this book. People. Yeah. You you tell him I said that if you ever see him. <laughs> like one thing I, I do want to touch on is as as the story progresses early on, um, and it gets it gets even more screwed up with everything going on with with his roommate's girlfriend, Kira, his also friend, is at one point I think his roommate goes away or something, and then they and then she kisses him. And mm -hmm. and you already have him very screwed up in the head, very confused about what's going on, and all of a sudden he's like, What? And I think if I remember correctly, doesn't she ignore him the next time? Like it never happens. Like, oh, you know, act like it never kissed or anything. She won't talk about it to him. Right. right. Okay. And if you think about that to a person that's already suffering mentally, I mean, he's talking to a demon. 
and he, he's already suffering all this. He's already killing people, but he's just mentally like the guy's very just having very having a hard time. And just mm-hmm. seeing you know, and then you have this woman that he, you know, and you know, cares about very much so that he wants is unattainable, all of a sudden starts giving him attention in a way that doesn't make sense. I mean, it even messes up even more, which that works that way. <laughs> right. And then he, he eventually does get better at it too, which is like the fucked up part. Cause he still has to kill somebody every month. Cause he keeps seeing the demon and it's, it's kind of funny how the Russians start coming after him because he finally attacks the, uh, the uh, like whorehouse. And um, <laughs> that's he, way later though. Yeah. And he purposely leaves a, a note and a backpack on the top of the building, he's like, I got three steps to my plan because he thinks if he takes out the main Russian mob guy, the boss, that they'll stop coming after him, which apparently Russians don't do that. They'll come after you forever. But the reason why he does that is because I think he stopped killing for a little bit before this part because we haven't said this yet, but what happens is um, he ends up going back. So after him and Kira are having their thing, he ends up running into his ex-girlfriend from like years ago that I barely mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode. And he starts mm-hmm. dating her. Him and Kira, he ends it with Kira because he's tired of this back and forth. They start sleeping together. And she's still with her boyfriend, which, again, is screwed up in a lot of ways. And she's pretty much using both these guys and won't end it. You know, He has sex with her, and then she goes in the bedroom with the other guy and has sex with him, too. And he's listening to it. And it's like, I mean, that, that's his one messed up scenario. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just say that. They they go into detail about her, like you once you understand her childhood and her you know growing up and her relationship with her mom, it it makes sense. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it it does. Like her her mother would change with kind of like a, they call her kind of like a chameleon. Where in different relationships she would change to fit the relationship. Like in one relationship she was a swinger, in one relationship she was a housewife or something. I think. Is one of them. Yeah, I mean, she would change to fit the relationship, so she was never herself. And Kira grew up with these different marriages that were happening, and nothing ever lasting, and not having like a stable type of house life. Mm-hmm. Weren't there like uh, weren't there like orgies going on at her house too? She was yes, privy yes, to. There were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> side side note that that part of Kira's childhood. Not specifically just the orgies, but how, for all I know, that could have been. Apparently, uh, Kira's relationship with her mother is taken from Ed Brubaker's personal life. Oh, oh. Uh, okay. Wow. I'm not <laughs> digging sure, deep. Again, I'm not sure how specific in terms of like her stories and stuff. It might just be just their tenuous relationship. But I did remember catching that in one of his afterwards on one of the issues. Okay. Oh wow. Oh, and a couple things i want to mention before we get into the third act where we were heading with the the brothel house um oh two things one is like i'm saying he starts dating his ex-girlfriend that he runs in in coincidence and the other thing that affects that is also where am i going with this <laughs> um, also my, my brian just kind of shut down for a second mm-hmm. Look, i don't know okay i'll go here instead so he ends up dating he ends up dating her he finds out that because he, he finds a bunch of his dad's artwork. His dad was an artist who drew a lot of really messed up drawings of like sexy demons and stuff of that nature. Sci-fi, and, like nudity. Sci-fi porn. Yeah, sci-fi porn. Yeah. yeah. And that's when he finds out that his dad also drew pictures of the demon. And mm-hmm. he's like, wait a second, my dad's seeing this demon. 
I'm seeing this demon. I think he finds out that he had a half-brother who also saw a demon and shot himself. Mm-hmm. And then that's when it starts clicking that <laughs> there's no demon. He has a mental well, illness. Well, well didn't his dad commit suicide too? Or no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so. I, I think I think they they it's keeps it pretty deliberate and balanced on whether it's mental illness, whether it's an actual demon. I do think in the bigger picture, the demon might be symbolic or like some sort of metaphor for me- mental illness. That's what I feel like, especially when you think. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple of things that we'll talk about later when we get near the end that hint that other hint, but. It to me, like at least in this part of the story, midway through, I felt that it was mental illness and him using something to rationalize what he's doing and wanted to do. Yeah, mm-hmm. because we do that. I mean, I, I personally went through a bout of when I was in a very toxic relationship in a very bad place. Like you go through that thing where it's like you don't, you know, if you're the wrong person in your life, you can start questioning reality itself because you just get your brain can get so mushed up and mashed up, you don't know what's real, which is kind of what he's going through. You know, he's in, he cares about this girl who's leading him on. I mean, he's already kind of messed up, but it, it doesn't help the situation. And doesn't he find out, too, that, like, his meds were something he didn't think they were? And then once he post- quits taking them, yeah, and then he and then he starts to feel better or something, right. or he feels he was taking, worse. He was taking low doses of Valium instead of his antipsychotics or whatever he was supposed to be taking because Rex fucked up the order. Yeah, so he's he's all over the place in his mentally like he's he's going through shit and now he's killing people <laughs> yeah i mean and that also he ends up getting kind of cocky and ends up killing people in public places where he shouldn't be trying to kill people which leads to him almost getting caught by the police a couple times you know i'm kind of okay with that there's a there's a really funny moment that i always laugh at when i because i've read this comic like almost three times now uh he gets a cheap uh halloween mask of nixon to go to a Halloween party with Kira. And he's at, I think, a coffee shop they frequent or she works at or something. And uh, one of the Russians goes there and he's like, hey, I'm looking for uh, Kira's boyfriend, Dylan. I used to be his old roommate in college. And uh, Dylan's standing right there. He's like, oh, really? And (laughs) they go out to the car and Dylan just stabs him right in the neck. And in the inner, in the inner dialogue, it says, so anyway. <laughs> that and this happens. is also kind of, we, the fast forward, he ends up breaking up with his ex-girlfriend from the past he got back together with because she publishes his dad's artwork in an art museum and he gets very upset. But that mm-hmm. also leads to him start kind of coming to terms with what's going on and realizing he doesn't have to kill. He stops, he wants to stop killing for this demon because he believes the demon is not real and then the russians show up and he finds out that they're figuring out who he is and they're right coming, you know. and again it kind of changes the whole killer beat kill where it's not that you either kill the russians or they're going to kill you instead of the demon going to kill you type of thing mm-hmm. so. and i appreciate how it kind of like it shows how this weird guy just becomes a vigilante and how he gets lucky and like I was saying earlier with the Russians, um, when he goes after them and tries to kill the main boss, I mean, he successfully does it. And his plan is that he goes in, he shoots, uh, I think he shoots a, like up a whorehouse. Says where yeah. he's going to be. And then he leaves. 
he says where he's going to be. He leaves a bag thinking they think it's his, and he says where he's going next. So they move all their enforcers away from the main boss's house to protect all those whorehouses, and then he's able to just simply walk in and kill him, which is great. <laughs> I, I love that. I love how simple it was for him to do that. That was cool. And he also starts, as we were kind of starting to say, he he finally gets together with Kira. She breaks up with her dumbass boyfriend, and he finally accepts. Like, they accept that they care about each other, at least for a little while. Mm-hmm. So I did want to mention yeah. that. It's a big journey for both of them to kind of admit that. And it's, I guess I can say, one of the few tragedies of the story, really, and just that they never can quite be on the same page at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because she, she cares about him, but she doesn't really, like, has a hard time connecting or committing in a way. Like, also, another thing that we hadn't mentioned yet is she changed her hair color a couple times throughout this comic, which is more symbolism, as Jesse was saying before we started recording, that she's kind of flipping through what's going on in her life. Something like that. Mm-hmm. It. it seems like when she's at her most depressed is when she dyes her hair blue. Like, this book is full of symbolism. I mean, it's full of metaphor i mean you know trying to emote different feelings out of you and not without yeah I mean, there's lots of things in this book it's worth reading I will say mm-hmm. if, yeah. if i if i could say anything because i mean honestly especially in in today's political climate like i'm kind of wary of vigilante stories you know there's plenty of assholes out there with guns who think you know like oh i'm gonna do the right thing or i'm gonna correct some justice i'm gonna get back at those girls who wouldn't have sex with me i'm gonna get back at those people from that different group that I feel are ruining my country. You know, this is the same, the same era we're living in now where they think, you know what, I'm going to have Bruce Willis star in a remake of, you know, death wish and have him go after thugs and hoods. Because again, that, that seems like like a really appropriate time to have him doing that. You know, (laughs) Willis, man, Bruce Willis, but like, (laughs) With this story, I feel like it doesn't really take itself seriously in the way a lot of these stories tend to take themselves seriously. It, it It's very much aware of the absurdity of what's going on and how it's going down. And the, the best part for me, honestly, is it as much as all these stories could very easily fall into just being a straight up power trip or a power. What? What? Dang it, I had this. Yes, it's straight up being a power fantasy where it's like, oh, I lost this bit of power and I need to reclaim it. Or I never had this power and I finally something something snapped and I I finally have the courage, quote unquote, air quotes, whatever, to take it back, you know, to take it. uh, It kind of has a very sober sobering ending where it's like you know at the end of the day as much as i as as i hate life there's still precious bits to it that i you know take for granted and i couldn't have with doing all of this vigilante work and what it cost Mm -hmm. me right which is why like parts of it can appeal to people as just entertainment and like i was saying earlier when he stabs the russian and he says so anyway like stuff like that it's pointing out how absurd it is and it's it feels good to laugh because you know it's not taking itself seriously so you you feel okay to laugh with it even though there are very very dark elements to the oh, book yeah. overall I'm about to get the one 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm about to get to where the <laughs> after he kills the Russian boss. I forgot about this, but I'm flipping through the pages while we're talking. When it starts to go to Act Three, well, one thing I want to mention. So when he starts dating Kira, his roommate has the nerve to come up to him and say, "Hey, man, we got to set some ground rules. You can't bring her over here because she broke up with him. He doesn't want to see her around and see mm-hmm. her being with him." And I like, and, and he gets, and he's also, and he's always been very docile. And then he gets, like, he's like, you know what? Screw you. You knew I liked her. You didn't care. You brought her over here. You screwed her. I had to listen to it. Well, screw you, man. Like, and I like that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. point. But it's very much like that scene in Fight Club where he just like finally beats the shit out of himself in front of his boss. He's like, I've had <laughs> enough of your bullshit. <laughs> Who are they going to believe? That I beat myself up or that you hit me? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a messed up movie. Man, yeah, no, so. <laughs> it's a great moment. It's the, kind of, it's the type of honesty, and it, it didn't really have to involve him shooting him or hitting him or doing anything violent. Just by, like, you know what? At the end of the day, you're just a, you're just a fucking asshole. You, you deliberately, you, you enjoy keeping me under your thumb. You may not be willing to admit it to yourself, but that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, oh. actually, doesn't he choke him? And then that's how he I'm goes. Following. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you, uh, there's some things that happen. Well, one that we kind of mentioned earlier, he, he doesn't find out until issue 14 after he killed the mob boss. He figured out the demon's not real. He stops seeing, or he thinks the demon's not real. He stops seeing the demon. And Kira then tells him that his brother also was having hallucinations before he killed himself. And he and he describes the same thing that he saw, a demon with horns, or a shadow with mm-hmm. horns like a demon. And then it, in the last page of this issue, Kira looks over and goes, what? What's wrong, Dylan? And her face is a demon's face on her body. And that's when he starts choking her out. And then I think he chokes Dylan, or he attacks her, or something of that nature. No, no, he doesn't, he doesn't choke Kira out. Uh, he chokes the uh, roommate. Yeah, the roommate, because the demons, because he's he's getting ready to confess to Kira about his vigilante stuff. Oh, okay. The, de- the demon uh, starts antagonizing him, and then he's like, "Oh, by the way, your roommate's listening through the door," and he's like, "The fuck!" And he opens his door. He's like, "You've been listening to us," and he's like, "I thought we heard. I heard my name mentioned." And then, like, eventually, like, they, he goes back and forth between arguing with his roommate and arguing with the demon. And then he starts, okay. he attacks the demon, and it turns out the demon's the roommate. And Kira has to knock him out before he kills his roommate. With a lamp. Right. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Jesse. You know, I really should have read this again. <laughs> and then he ends up going to a mental asylum. Yeah. I mean, they still don't even know that he's killed, that he's a vigilante. No one knows that yet. He flat confesses and nobody believes him. <laughs> well, there's a reason they don't believe him, but I thought that was funny. He's sitting there and they're sitting in a group like, anybody, you want to tell anything? I'm the vigilante. And they're like, ha, 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 no, you're not. And he's like, what? Why don't they believe me? And he starts saying things. They're like, vigilante just killed three people and you're in here. Oh, so, yeah. He has a copycat. I was thinking for a second, wait a second, was he hallucinating this whole time? And it was really somebody else at first. <laughs> And then it starts to kind of go into where this vigilante is killing, not like organized crime, but just regular drug dealers and whoever. Like he has, doesn't yeah. have the same type of <sighs> smarts. Well, not smarts. I'm trying to like virtues in quotations, which you can't see me doing um, on this audio show that he thinks that he's above because he's targeting the, the brain of the operation, not just idiots on the streets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the it's it's more or less uh, f- 
fighting the symptoms versus fighting the cause. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I feel like that was that was a really great element to the story because honestly, the copycat is what the de facto I feel like vigilante and a vigilante story is. And it's kind of like, no, like, here's here's what what makes me different from the ones you usually see in these type of tales. I don't just kill, you know, the random people who are caught up in the system. You have, you know, I go after this, you know, these people, and they come from, you know, similar yet very different backgrounds. Like they're both from the suburbs. You know, they both had, you know, an upbringing from a rather well-to-do family. The the, the big difference being, of course, he was popular in school and, you know, military trained and everything else. That's right. I totally forgot about all of that. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Which kind of fits with the last eight issues in one day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It also kind Um, of fits that whole idea of what happens in real life where you do have people who are military trained who and sometimes end up doing bad things. Well, there's been a few mm-hmm. serial killer crime history have been military trained. Like the one, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but he was a sniper in a tower who had a mental illness who kept shooting people in the tower until someone went up and shot him. This is back in like the 60s or something, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I remember. But I do know that's one of the earlier cases of mental illness being like something wrong. Because after he died, he said, please examine my brain after you, after you stop me. He wrote something like that when he was up in this tower. And then when they killed him, they had they examined his brain and saw something was different. No empathy. So, yeah. yeah, that's what. I, okay, I wish I could remember this guy's the, the name of this just so I could be more accurate with the, with the actual sto- true crime story. But I can't it's remember. it's a part of the it's a part of the conditioning, especially for snipers. I think like that one dude they did a movie about with Bradley Cooper. I think the his the real person was called Chris Kyle, American uh, sniper. Like, yeah, like they make him look like a hero in the movie, but like it turns out he was kind of a psychopath. <laughs> like I think he, that's unfortunately what you have to be in order. Even though you're doing something for, let's say, a noble cause, when I mean, you're doing it for, I mean, not doing it, I mean, you're doing it for a right cause, let's just say, you know, but I think yeah. you have to be able to be able to justify to yourself what you're doing. I think you have to be a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. He, he, made it into a game though like i heard he if i remember right he kept tally which again i think is a normal all thing do. yeah even like it's, aircraft it's a military thing i think they yeah. hell they even keep tally in lord of the ring <laughs> oh, in, in that case they're killing things that to them are monsters in quotations again but they well, also eat him, so i mean if someone's eating my friend i think i'm gonna have a little less respect for him so yeah i'm gonna put my friend in the pot Basically, what we're saying is there are people who put pineapple on their pizza and people who can't. That's all we're saying. Except this pineapple so. has eyes and legs and, and noses yeah. and ears. But, uh, yeah. I like pineapple on pizza. I, I know I there's something wrong with me. No. Unless you're... <laughs> uh, I'm with you on that one. Okay, we all got the right people here. See, all the other Unless your pineapple crazy. has nose and eyes and ears and a little leaf popping out of his head and looking at you like, ha, hi, and whistles and comes to you when you whistle, it's okay to eat that pineapple. This is a really <laughs> weird fucking juxtaposition conversation. I know. I made a Pikmin reference because I just recorded Pikmin, so. Oh. That's where I was going with that. <laughs> so I okay. just I just just looking for something to eat right now. So anyway. I'll take it. <laughs> Back to killer be killed. So at, when he's in the insane asylum or mental hospital and he finds out that the vigilante's out there killing, there's a scene where his stupid roommate goes into his room, finds the shotgun, finds the mask, 
and ends up calling the police on him. The police again don't don't care because they just just shortly after that they kill the vigilante that was running around that killed just killed the cop, the copycat. Sorry, yes. So they don't. Yeah, care. yeah. So the the whole time Dylan's doing his thing, he's being the vigilante with the Russians and all that. Let's go back to Lily Sharp. She's a small town cop who gets promoted to detective and she comes in and she's the one who's following all this murders and she's with these other two cops like like jesse said it's very boondock saints because they're they're like obviously it was this and she's like um no you dumbasses like (laughs) you don't know what you're talking about and they don't want to believe her because they think she's looking to be famous. Like they think she's just trying to be a famous detective and you know, she's fr- she's a girl first off. So they're just like, you know, shut up, just let us do our job. You're only here to look pretty. And at the end of the day, she's the one who's actually really putting it together. And she even goes to uh, Dylan after Dylan's roommate turns over the evidence. She even goes to Dylan's uh, mom's house where he got the gun for his first kill and she really starts putting it together there. And that's why she eventually goes to visit him in the mental asylum, which happens a little later because Dylan's there for quite a while. And yeah. he's he still can't like let go of what he's going through being a vigilante. Like one of the and it, yeah. <laughs> this really yeah, this really reminds me of Terminator 2 with Sarah Connor, but one of the guards is groping a mental patient and Dylan catches it. And he's he's like, yeah, now I got to kill this fucker. (laughs) (laughs) And he uh, his plan is to um, because they have like little recess times where they go out to the snow. And he's like, I'm going to push him out into the thin ice and hopefully he'll drown. And one of the funny quotes he says, which I wrote down, was uh, (laughs) it's super easy to shadow someone when everyone thinks you're drugged out of your mind. (laughs) <laughs> which is also just the whole idea if you look like you belong somewhere and don't act suspicious people aren't going to notice you like what i right. used to do personally like i didn't want you know if i go to a store i want people to bother me i just put headphones in there'd be no music playing there'd be nothing playing in the headphones but i just put earbuds in and just walk around like i wasn't paying attention to anybody and people talk to me like hey how can i help you i just ignore them and keep walking i couldn't hear them i could hear them the whole time it just was my way of looking like I wasn't listening when I actually was listening to everything going on around me. I just wanted to look oblivious. But but what you're really doing is you're whistling Amazing Grace, right? Sure. I was more paying attention to what was going on. But I will say is it is it is amazing the shit people will talk about you when you think you can't hear them as well. Been plenty of times had my earbuds in. You know, music was super low, but I could hear people saying stuff, and I'm just like, oh, that's very interesting. Good to know. And they're like, oh. It was like, yeah, yeah, I could hear everything you were saying. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but he does finally kill that stupid orderly, too. I mean, the, the light thing fails, but he pushes him down the stairs. Yeah. And then so stops great. on his head. The <laughs> thing about stairs is they don't really kill you as easily as they make it look in the movies. You know, rarely do you actually snap your neck, stomps on his neck, and breaks it. <laughs> I mean, it's so great messed up comic i was like what the hell you having me read Stefan? yeah the order Uh, did make easy (laughs) he deserved it Uh, before we get to the last little bit of this because we're pretty much near the end i actually do have a funny story about how i came across this comic since mike brought it up um i had originally wanted to buy this in a comic shop and at the time i was like super broke i was like whatever i'll get it later and trade paperback and um 
I went to my um, record store and they have a little comic section where they'll anyone, whatever comics they get, they'll just put out for a dollar. And literally, I want to say issues four through 16 were there for a dollar. And I was like, oh, my God, I had store credit. I just grabbed all of them. And turns out I was five minutes late because five minutes before that, some guy came in and got issues one through five. And I was, or one through four or whatever. And I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. So I ended up having to buy all those uh, later. And they were like five bucks each to the comic shop, but it was totally worth it. But like, I got really lucky with this comic because it came to me cheap when I, when every issue is usually like $3.99, I think. So I got lucky. That's a cool story, though. Like, I mean, also how it came to you in a weird fashion, like not in a way that you would expect it. Right. And it, and even one of them was a variant cover. And, you know, I just, and I remember the guy was like, I'm going to keep, like he came back later when I was still like looking for all of them. So I actually had to kind of race through the comics to like grab them before he did. And he's like, I already got issues one through four, man. I'm going to get the rest. I'm like, no, you're not. It's <laughs> kind of a jerk move. Like, okay, I used to collect comics. And I used to go to like half price books and I'd go through the bins and looking for stuff. And but I would never like I would see people who had stuff that I may be interested or I had stuff, but we didn't talk to each other. We didn't go, hey man, I already got those. Why I deserve those. Like you didn't grab you didn't grab them. Like that's just stupid. Yeah. And he was like some I mean, this is nothing against no slight against Eminem, but he was like some Eminem looking dude. And I, I was just like, No, dude, you don't deserve this comic. I do. <laughs> i've had instances like i used to have a buddy of mine that i would hang out with and we go comic shopping like he made it to try to get the stuff that i wanted before me yeah we stopped doing that for that when that started that crap started i was like okay we're done because he would we would just collect mm-hmm. first appearances and key issues so if he found one before i did he could already own the book he would buy it again just because he made it a competition that's... i'm like that's not how this works that's why did so this <laughs> Yeah, we stopped hanging out. I mean, I still talk to him, but it was just I wasn't in the best place mentally either at that time. Like right before that, so I was taking more. It's kind of like okay, but yeah, no, I I got tired of that and I stopped comic hunting with him because I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of mentally too, I mean, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if anyone cares to hear this, but when I was eighteen, I actually um, had a bad split with my dad where I like, didn't want to live with him, but my mom had gotten on drugs. And so I kind of had to go live with him. And, um, it was a very depressing time because my dad's kind of a selfish person. And when I turned 18, the week I turned 18, I had left his house after we gotten into an argument and I went to go live with my grandma who kind of lived in the semi ghetto and uh, it was a weird, it was weird being there because she would go to work at night and my uncle who has lived with her for like 20 years because he's a drug addict, he would smoke meth. So then I would just be sitting there smelling it all night in my room, playing on my GameCube. And um, after a while, it started to like beat me down. And at that time, I, I was able to get free health insurance through Access, which here in Arizona, which is what it's called. And I was taking like four clonopin a day just to like adjust and like be normal and my body was like falling to pieces because like i know i know some people need medication to like function and i understand that but like me i don't like taking pills and i don't like any of that stuff but at that time i was taking like 
so many drugs that like when i read this and i read how like doped up he is i'm like man that was me at one point and like i know that feeling of feeling like invisible you know because you're just so doped up and yeah you know you people uh, are yeah you're not able to handle the world around you and everything is just i mean that, and that also kind of touches on the whole subject of this book of a character who just can't handle life and ends up doing something very extreme mm -hmm. to, to deal with so life gets hard and yeah. I mean, things happen i mean i i went through some dark places in my life but you know and, and when you come out of it you come out stronger come out mm -hmm. better in most cases that's exactly right so i mean it, it makes you grow i mean the same thing like as i mean the book the character grows i mean he doesn't grow in the best places but it's the same idea like well in real life you know people usually grow and we learn to deal with it and adapt and it becomes a part of us Exactly, and and you know they still haven't caught me for all those vigilante murders. So. <laughs> well, the only thing I can, say, <laughs> uh, the only thing I can see you kidding. doing is collect comic books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, comic books saved my life, people. Hey, <laughs> but anyway. Yes. Oh, Jesse, do you want to take us in the third arc? Because me and uh, Tiffany have talked enough, and we didn't get anywhere. So I'll let you, why don't you where, help us? Where Where did we leave off? I think detective. Oh. Uh, men visiting him in the mental institution. Yes, uh, when she visits the mental institution, all that last last two issues, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So um, Lily visits Dylan and um, basically lays out that she's figured out his entire game, and he has an opportunity to to walk away still because he knows at the end of the day she doesn't have enough evidence to stick and he knows that the task force that she was a part of has closed the case. They don't really want to open this can of worms because they've already been humiliated through this whole debacle of trying to catch him in the first place. So they just, they just really want that win. <laughs> and uh, he basically, like, she, she strikes a nerve when she brings up Rex and he kind of just starts spilling his guts on that and how bad he feels about it. And then the power goes out and it turns out the Russians, they, they, they foreshadow, they, they already like set this up before she even enters the building, but the Russians are on their way and their, their plan is to basically ambush the building, find Dylan and kill him. Oh, and, one thing mm -hmm. we didn't completely mention, he accidentally killed Rex's drug dealer early on when he's fighting a Russian, which you didn't completely say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we skipped that pretty sure. Oh, which also leads Lily Sharp to believe that there were two different vigilantes instead of one because the first, the second vigilante, the copycat one, just, just mindlessly killing, whereas Dylan, when Rex was shot, he tried to drop him off at the hospital, which seemed out of character. So that's yeah. that's another reason what's, what leads her to him. And the cops try writing it off as like it's just a smoke screen. She's like, but he was clearly asking for help for this person. No, like, oh, it's a smoke screen, Sharp. Yeah, I do like it when you when, <laughs> as you read through that the mafia's just going through the hospital, just taking everybody out, and then him and Lily work together, and he has a gun, and they just start they just take out they're taking out the mafia. That was right. yeah, pretty damn. Like, like how yeah, she's like, like, you don't get a gun. He's like, I got more experience than you do. <laughs> like, I'll do like, it. Have you, shot, have you shot anybody yet? No. And then, of course, she gets her opportunity to shoot someone five minutes later. And she shoot him. Yeah. She got with a fire machine with her. I forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you work with what you have. <laughs> but anyway, um, they. 
so so he ends up killing someone and he ends up shooting someone else and getting a gun for Lily and then she ends up shooting somebody and saving him and they find a pass uh, a key card on the his therapist who got shot and he uh they end up escaping out of the hospital and they're in the parking lot and he's like I forgot that they'd have one Russian waiting in the parking lot and the dude uh, goes to shoot and he throws his body across Lily and ends up taking a bullet for her. And then she, or no, I think he, he's the one who finishes right. the Russian. Yeah. Uh, he ends up killing the Russian and then he succumbs to his wounds in the parking lot. Well, in, in the end of issue 19, it says, and that is where I died. I'm like, what? But there's still one more issue. And yeah. that's where the issue <laughs> ends. And then the final issue, it shows uh, her calling for help. She's trying to get help, and then it shows him waking up in a hospital room. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then it, the whole last issue shows him and Kira get back together because, you know, they haven't been seeing each other too much because he's been in the mental hospital. And then he's working for Lily, and he takes down a crooked cop, and him and Kira get an apartment together. Yeah, and Matt convinces Lily that what he does is okay, even though she was never really sold on it in the first place. Image here where he looks like a Ninja Turtle for some reason. Yeah, he he basically it turns into the ending of Boondock Saints, where essentially, like, yeah, the police condone what I do now, and as long as I keep changing my uniform, everything is great. And you can already sense that this is not the actual ending because it's just <laughs> way there's there's too many logistical holes here that the story would not forgive itself. Uh -huh. and slide mm -hmm. and then you find out he's like no i just died that's what would have happened i'm like what <laughs> and mm -hmm. then it, it, it ends with kira talking to her psychologist and she has the blue hair again and she, or i think she's talking to lily they're yeah, talking to lily and it's just and it shows her getting hit on by a bunch of idiots because what happened to women unfortunately you know what what they go through and then in the very last scene the demon is right behind her and that right. i mean it, it makes you it... wonder Yes. Yeah, it just leaves it a little ambiguous, is what it's saying. It, 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 you can see it festering and growing in the way she's talking about things, because at first she's just lamenting for Dylan, and she has a lot of sympathy for him, and she's like, I just wish he would have opened up to me and talked to me. I could have helped him. And then she starts going into the state of the world, and then she's like, this world took, you know, he was already a broken person to begin with, but this world took what was left and ground it in the sand, and then all of a sudden you start to recognize the train of thought she's going on, mm -hmm. and that's where Demon comes into play. Yeah. It's messed up. I mean, it, it hit me. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it's just, mm -hmm. it's just one fucked up comic. That's all I can say. <clears throat> Yeah, I I think that Ed Brubaker, I mean, I started reading his work in Daredevil, and one of the things, you know, like, people always say it's hard to get into comics, and I'm like, what are you talking about? It's not that hard. And one of the reasons is because that when a writer gets on a book, like, let's say uh, Brian Michael Bendis was on Daredevil, I think it was him before Brubaker, but he wrote a story, it ends, and then another writer comes on and starts up another story. But in Brubaker's case, he said, no, I'm just going to continue the story that Bendis was doing. So he just kept writing it. And it was a great story. And that was my actual first encounter with Ed Brubaker's work. And ever since then, everything I've read by him has been phenomenal. I mean, he's just an amazing writer. He's very, he's very stuck in noir. Like, that's the thing he loves the most. So if you like 
go to Image Comics and you check out his work, you're just going to find a lot of newer stuff. But you'll always have Sean Phillips' art, which is great. I think you guys liked it, right? I did. Oh. I, I I loved it, and I like I said earlier, it, it's very fitting to the to the noir style. It kind of reminds me of the comic art from Max Payne a bit, actually. Huh. That's a good comparison. Oh yeah. Yeah, it also reminds me of Max Payne too in a little way. Now that you talk about it, but mm-hmm. Max Payne a little more justified in my opinion. But if Max Payne <laughs> was was a, was was a little more positive about life, I'd say. <laughs> I really want to go back and play Max Payne again. Hmm. Well, That's in my true. head, they, I do. I don't think I really want to. But... <laughs> they both took painkillers too, which is yeah. funny. <laughs> oh man Max Payne 1 is super fucking hard though if I remember correctly alright enough about Max Payne um but <laughs> no I mean if, I I enjoyed it like it, I mean it, it hit me in a few parts and it, it made me re- remember things about my own personal life and as we were kind of touching on this and I thought that was another powerful idea of the book that it did kind of connect with me at least in the sense of it was someone being very troubled and you know he's 28 years old and you're at that time in your life where you know, you're no longer a child. You're still, you're an adult, but you're getting near your thirties and you can look at your life and go, where am I? Like, what am I doing with my life? And I think that's also kind of an interesting take on this character too, that he's just, you know, you're at that point in your life and you're very confused sometimes, at least for some people. are. Right. I, the, 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 sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's all right. I, I was going to say, he's at that point, essentially, you know, your early thirties or your late twenties, early thirties, where you're just now settling into being an adult. And you realize it, it finally fully completely sinks in. I'm an adult and I still have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I can say personally, like when I was 27, I mean, my life was not good at that point. Like I was in a very dark place. And like, I understand, you know, if I connected in some place, I didn't go on any killing sprees or anything. I just bought comics. But <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Like I, and I thought that was interesting. I think a lot of people could probably relate with a character, at least in the in in that. Besides, not the killing part, but just the fact that you have someone who is down on their luck, who feels like you know the girl that you want is with someone else that that's an asshole. Like you, they shouldn't be with them, but they are. And it's that whole idea of everything not you know, like you don't have the job you should have, or you don't have the life that you feel you deserve. And you know, at that point, we're still learning and, and moving on. Like I thought that was very interesting. And kind of connected. Yeah, and the and the overworld thoughts of it too, like. Like I like mentioned in the beginning, like how corrupt society has become and how it feels like the bad guys always get away with it, you know, and the good guys are always never getting nothing out of it. And, you know, our whole system's just like falling down, like healthcare is not good for anyone. And, you know, everyone just seems like they're on the edge of life, you know, like they're living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, they can mm-hmm. never get ahead. No- nothing ever gets better. It just gets worse. And it does a lot of that. Like, that's why I wanted to read the monologue in the beginning there. Cause it's just, he just nails it so much in so many ways that, you know, a lot of politicians stay there. They are greedy and, you know, they are corrupt and we are destroying the planet, you know, and just, just everything, everything he says, I completely agree with. But then again, some of it, I mean, obviously the killing, it's very counterculture. Like, oh, I'm going to make a difference by taking out these people, like Jesse was saying earlier. So, so <laughs> I mean, the Joker. That's what Joker thinks, yeah. Yeah, like chaos <laughs> rules and, you know, that's you can't have that. But everything else he said, like, I, I kind of get it, you know? So, I don't know. I Should we go to Booker or Shufflebox? Box? Yeah. I think so. Okay. I'll go first. Um... This is going on the shelf. Will I ever read it again? 
Probably not. No, but it's something that I will definitely be recommending to people. Like, even if you listen to this episode, and yes, we spoiled the ending, we spoiled the story, you could still read it, still enjoy it, still going to see things, see the art that we can't, we, we can't, only can describe you so well. So definitely read it. I will definitely be telling people about this. I'll be trying to recommend people that don't like superhero stories. I don't want to read about, you know, Batman or the Joker and want something more, I wouldn't say realistic, but not really that realistic. <laughs> something more down to, something with a more normal character that doesn't have powers. That isn't the Punisher. And so it's going to go on the shelf. I'll be in something that I'm, I'm glad to say that I read. Jesse, how about you? Uh, definitely a shelf. Um, I'm going to have to see if I can track down like an omnibus or whatever that, that has like everything all together in one book. Oh, it's definitely, there should be. I know collect edition so far, it's just four. It's in four issues or four collections. Right. Okay. That, I don't that, know if that omnibus, makes... not yet. Yeah. But, um, sorry, I haven't pulled and... up while we're talking, but <laughs> it's all good. Um, uh, and also I will say on the, on the nature of spoilers, there's huge swaths of this story. We have, we haven't even really touched on. It's better to just kind of experience it. And at the same time, I'm really glad that the story is all out and complete because as much as I, as I really enjoyed it, I think I'd also probably have a hard time going issue by issue, week to week. Like, it's one of those things where it's better just to read everything, like, oh, yeah. at I the read, pace of a novel. I read the whole thing in mm-hmm. a couple of days. I couldn't stop reading it. I mean, it's something that, is, like you said, it's meant to be read in a, in a, in a more sit-down time, not wait months over the course of two years or anything. Yeah, and I had to... It, it took me a while to get through just because... Uh, especially life. with my own mental conditions and, and life. Like I, it's the type of story that kind of demands that you pay attention. And sometimes it's, you're so broke. You can't even pay that. So well, it's, it's, just, def- <laughs> it, it's a tough, it's a tough read at time. Just everything is happening to this character. And if you're not, depending on how your life is, it can, it, it can hit you. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it definitely resonated with me. I mean, I've been institutionalized before I've been drugged before. I definitely have my own mental issues. I've, but at I've least had... you haven't killed anybody before. So, you know, we're okay. No, no, but, <laughs> but anyway, but no, like as, you know, speaking of someone who's, you know, dealt with some of the shit that Dylan's done with demon, notwithstanding and homicide and all that, uh, <laughs> that's good <laughs> yeah like i don't think there's anything that will be exceptionally triggering that you have to worry about again just because of the fact the story doesn't really take itself serious enough for it to really warrant that but um i i just i don't know i i i i, I have to recommend it just on the principle alone of it's a, it's a, it's one of the first vigilante stories I've read in a long time where it felt, you know, like it actually has a justified place in existing and it's not just the same thing rehashed and something that I could see some angry white boy misinterpreting and being, you know, <laughs> like the Joker, you know, being co-opted and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> people who think the Joker is right. Yeah. Like those people. Hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's it's just a, it's a great world to immerse yourself in, which I know is sounds weird, especially at this talking how fucked up this story is. But it's but it's fiction. It's, 
yeah, it's it's fiction. It's a it's a good thing. It it'll make you think. It'll make really make you think about the state of things. And I wish I wish it provided some some guidance towards what an answer to all the problems would be. It doesn't, but I guess that's that's kind of our responsibility at this point. Yes. Oh, Stefan, how about you? Um, it's pretty obvious is going on my shelf. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> <laughs> I promise one of these days I'm going to pick something that I don't know anything about when we do comics. I'm just going to go in blind and we're going to we're going to see it. how we yeah, yeah. My, I'm pretty sure Mike's going to pick some weird shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it just when I got this, I got like I said earlier, I got it at the right time. I got it in a, a good way. And uh, I literally I went and bought I, I went and bought a bottle of whiskey and mixed it with some Coke and sat on my patio and read through the whole thing in one night because I just couldn't Damn. stop. Impressive. And I knew I knew I was going to love it. And by the end of it, I was obviously really drunk. But I also was like, this is amazing. Like, this is one of my favorite comics of all time. And when Mike asked, you know, what's the next thing you want to do on the show? I was like, well, gee, I don't know. You know, I had recommendations like, and he's like, no, I don't like those recommendations. We're going to yeah. do this. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Fuck that!" No, I'm just kidding. I Mike was like, "More Batman, Batman, yeah. Batman!" <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, str- I'm trying to do like not obvious things and also like things that aren't just Batman and freaking you know Spider Man or something. I but uh, I do. Yeah, you don't seem uh, interested in the man that talks to fish. <laughs> I like Aquaman a lot, by the way. I will read the Aquaman, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna like it. <laughs> I don't know what he's Yeah, maybe you guys really do hate your co-host. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was good. We we do torture each other. Sometimes. We do. It's fun. I'm not having fun unless Mike's not having any fun at all. <laughs> oh. Um, oh, but no. <laughs> yeah, I derailed it. But no, I I love this comic, and like I said, I love Ed Brubaker. Sean Phillips has become quickly become one of my favorite artists of all time. I think I think people forget that comic books, uh, there can be a writer, but half the story is being told by the art. And Sean Phillips knows exactly what he's doing. He's super professional. I think he's British, but he's just, he's got it. And I, I appreciate his art a lot. And um, yeah, it's going on my shelf. Okay. That's about what I expected for all of us to say. So, <laughs> completely. But Completely. any, I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say. Any last things you want to say about this book? Should we start wrapping it up? Yeah, let's, let's wrap it. All right. Well, first, I want to thank Jesse yeah. for coming on board for us because I did not want to do another two-man comic yeah. episode. So thank you yeah. for saying, <laughs> having us do that. Oh, uh, my God. Okay, wait. I have one more thing I want to say. Yes. I Before oh, I picked Killer, this is a little behind the scenes. Before I picked Killer Be Killed, I was going to pick a child's play comic book because Danny Jesse is coming on. We're both into horror, you know, and I just thought it'd be you funny. You hate me that much? <laughs> I knew Mike would hate it. Mike would hate it. And I don't remember which issue it is, but it's literally, I read the first issues, first issue of some child's play comic book, and it's literally him being made together and then he hangs out with a hippie for like 20 pages. And I was like, no, we're not reading this. So <laughs> I'm sorry. 
you guys didn't get that <laughs> yeah it is so bizarre but uh please go read killer be killed <laughs> instead yeah, don't don't look at something he's talking about my god, my god. <laughs> uh, all right so i want to thank everyone for listening i mean this is our you can find we we don't do comic episodes all but once a month we do some so if you like this one there's definitely some more episodes you listen to or many different episodes at this point for you to listen to we keep publishing more stuff every every week <laughs> just keep publishing more so please recommend us to your friends recommend us to anyone hell tell the world that you enjoy listening to the show and you know get some more people you know and also leave us five leave us five star reviews on itunes uh follow us on face facebook instagram or twitter and yes. our awesome intro and outro music is came Curtis where came from Bulby, aka Mike Stoney, from his EP "Bite the Bullet." It's a cool kid squad. It'll be a, sh- a link in the show notes for his YouTube channel. So I want to thank everyone for listening, and we will come back to you with another comic episode next month because we're having fun. Bye, fun doing it. bye everybody. Bye. Good night. <laughs>